It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott and Colin, asianboxing.info. If you need to know anything about Asian boxing, just go to the website. Scott does a great job with it. And uh, yeah, you have videos, podcasts, news articles, um, the upcoming schedule for Asian boxing, a host of things that um, you'll be able to look at there on asianboxing.info. Scott wanted to talk about this past weekend. We saw a, a lot of good action. Let's start off with uh, Mark Magsayo, his recent KO win. Yeah, Magsayo, one of the most talented Filipinos out there. He is an exceptional talent. He feels like he's been around for donkeys, but he's only 23. Unfortunately, his career got completely put on ice after leaving all the uh, promotions from the Philippines. This past weekend, we saw him fight for the first time in about a year and a half, and completely destroyed Eric Destroyer, um, an Indonesian journeyman who was he was tough but completely outmatched. It was about as one-sided about as you can see through four rounds of it. So um the guy going down until he eventually gets stumped. It was it was brutally one sided. Now with a impressive KO win like this, what would you say is next for Magsayo? Next Magsayo I'd imagine is another Rust shaking belt, possibly against a sort of regional contender, OBF or WBO Asia Pacific type fighter. He he still has rust to shake. We didn't really see him shit too much of it against Destroyer, who was too outclassed for um, Mangsai to really be tested. Now we saw one young Filipino do very well, and we also saw uh, another young young strong boxer do well in Janibek Avimuk. Kalun Kanuli. Janibek Alun Kanuli toyed with Christian Olivas. He, uh, he took a clear 10 round decision. He had it a shout I don't really know how he could give Olivas a round. The one problem, perhaps, is that it was again Alan Kanuli who hasn't been the most destructive of fighters, went the distance again. There's question marks about his power. And it was later revealed he has suffered some kind of injury after the bout as well. You pronounced that a lot better than I can. You obviously practiced that. Um, yeah, obviously, early on in your career, if you're, you're going to be a standout, sometimes it's better to get the, the old knockout to wow over fans and, and everyone who is, I guess, looking at your career under a microscope. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly um, a need to score knockouts early on and get a bit of excitement, but there's also the style of win. If you're going to look aggressive and exciting, but you don't get the knockout, that's fine. The Kazakh, in this case, just doesn't quite have that bite to him yet. He uh, he looks happier to go around. He looks happy to show off what he can do, as opposed to showing off how aggressive he can be, how exciting he can be. Very much a talent, but one who perhaps hasn't hasn't quite adapted to professional styles yet. Yeah, like it's good in the amateurs to do that and, and get victories, right? As long as you're out hitting the other guy, you're going to do really well. But in the pros, you really, really have to impress to make your mark. Yeah, you're going to know that the fans are paying for this. And if you don't give the fans a show there, especially when you've got a hard name to pronounce, they're not going to be talking about you. They're not going to be doing what they've done with Israel Madrimov, where fans have quickly gotten behind him. They've gone, wow, this guy's exciting. This guy's fun. Yeah, he's talented, but there's something missing at the moment. 
Now, someone who's not only talented, but also exciting. And I think he has a bright future ahead of him. Jinjiro Shigeoka. He, uh, he had to step up this past weekend against Joel Lino. He impressed in, in his uh, big step-up bout. He did. He wasn't totally happy with the performance, but he um, beat Lino over eight rounds with a clear decision. He showed more here than he's had to show in his first two bouts. Shigeoka is one of the most natural talents in boxing right now. And the fact he's already been put in with Lino shows just what his team believe in him. Um, I I seem to feel like a title fight is just around the corner for Shigeoka. Uh, we later this year, but that's surely the target for the end of 2019. Was he not impressed with himself because he didn't get the knockout? Was that it? It's more the fact that perhaps Lino tested him a bit more than I think he was expecting. He wasn't able to put his own will on about as much as he has done in the past. Thus, it being a step up and, and realizing there are levels to this game. We got to see lefty Musashi Mori. He had his rematch against Pumeric, and this time it went the distance. It did go the distance, and like that first one, it was really competitive. There wasn't a lot split between the two. Uh, Pumeric, again, proving that he is, I be one of the best gatekeepers in the spot right now. He's... um. He's never been an easy man to beat. He took Rizke Iwasa all the way. He's given Cesar Juarez a tough test. So for Mori to have two wins against him in his first nine bouts is really impressive. The youngster um, still has a, a little bit of grooming to go through um, before he gets the title match. That's kind of my opinion. Uh, do you agree? Yeah, he's uh, he's Halsey Dewey BR Asia Pacific title at the moment that will lead to a WBR world ranking but he's a long way from a world title fight a real really good talent but one who needs so much more passing he's too young to be thrown in with a top top tier guy and also we had the opportunity to see another youngster who's just starting out his career but has another bright future Tsutsumi he stopped Ponteras Sia Tsutsumi is Every fight fan's dream. He's aggressive. He's exciting. He's heavy-handed. He's all pressure. Um, despite being sort of a bantamweight, a super flyweight, he is just so much fun to watch. What I didn't expect, I don't think anybody expected, was him to blow out Ponteras in the first two minutes. What a left hook he landed. Ponteras, there's a photo of him online of... Uh, the Filipino looking up into the air with his arms outstretched. He didn't have a clue what had caught him. And Tsutsumi, I mean, was he one of those amateurs that a lot of people expected to really uh, come onto the scene quickly? Yeah, yeah. He was one of those top amateurs that Watanabe signed last year. He uh, won a B-class tournament final when he beat Junpai Inamoto last September. And that was really the bout that caught a lot of attention. Um and since then, he's just gone from strength to strength. There is, of course, the one bout of his that did go the distance. That was in China when a super flyweight slipped all the way up to sort of super bantamweight and battered the snot of a Chinese guy in Beijing. He's such an aggressive, exciting, talented youngster who has a really, really bright future ahead of him. Tsutsumi Mori Shigeoka. I mean, of course, we know the names now of Tanaka and Shiro and Inoue. But this is kind of that, that next wave that's coming. Japanese boxing is alive and well. 
very much that. They also had a another youngster on there, um, Sora Takeda, who won a Rookie of the Year tournament last year. He's another one who's worth following, even though he's a bit smaller up minimum weight. Yeah, minimum weight guys don't get the love. I don't. I don't understand. It's a mystery, especially with all the heavyweight mess that we're having, as to why people aren't perhaps paying more attention to these guys who are being fast tracked through the ranks of the lower weights. Yeah, no, I and I I know why we like heavyweights because it's it's seeing something that you don't get to see every day. Two huge guys just swinging at each other. But there's something about the lower weights that's also very appealing is the skill, the speed, there's power, and the technique usually is a little bit better than than the uh, heavier weights. Everything looks like it's on fast forward. It's kind of catches the eye and your head then sort of get drawn in as opposed to the, the lumbering low-level activity of some of the heavyweights at the moment. Now this week and this weekend... We're going to have a bunch of different Japanese title fights uh, along with a WBO Asia Pacific super, weight, uh, super Featherweight bout. Uh, we'll start with that. That's uh, Joe None against Kosuke Saka. That has the ingredients of being a very, very, very special fight. None is one of the more pure Filipino boxers. Um, he is one of the few men I've ever seen to give Ria Abe a real, real tough test. Saka, on the other hand, is really hard-hitting. He's really exciting. Raw on the edges. He he actually lost the Japanese featherweight title when he misheard the clacker and got clouted by Takahiro... Taka... Takanori Ohashi. Um, in one of the weirdest stoppages you'll probably see anytime soon. So you got a puncher against a pure boxer. The stars should gel really well. Um... I expect a really fun fight out of, this, out of these two. And the winner of this, assuming um, they come out okay, probably will uh, be bumped up for a bigger opportunity. Yeah, they'll definitely find themselves in the WBL rankings. They could be a target for someone like uh, Hironori Mishiro or Masaru Tsuyoshi, and some sort of unification belt, perhaps. There's plenty of fighters in and around the Asia Pacific region who would happily chase the title so it's interesting belts to be made um for the winner and actually for the loser as well given the depth in the region now one of my favorite fighters uh in the past couple of years i think fans like him just because he's tough and he's known as the japanese rocky arakawa he has a bout that might be his one of his last i think for the 37 year old yeah nikita arakawa He's uh, been a true servant in Japanese boxing. He's won pretty much everything outside of world level. Uh, but trolling to Ukraine to face Dennis Berinchik, I don't think this is going to fare well. Um, Berinchik, not quite the super talent that some of his Ukrainian countrymen like Alexander Usyk and Vasyl Lomachenko are, but he's powerful, he's heavy-handed, he's aggressive. He's probably too fresh for the Arakawa we have now. It's so disappointing, too, because Arakawa, I think if he had heavier hands, could have really made some noise at the world level. Um, You saw him in his fight against Figueroa just take an absolute beating, be able to shell it out as well, but just didn't have, uh, I think, enough oomph on those punches sometimes. Yeah, there's certainly a lack of oomph. There's perhaps a lack of speed as well, um, as we saw against Jorge Linares when Linares 
pretty much just outsped him, outboxed him. He's tougher, and he's always going to give people a tough test for 10, 11, 12 rounds. Yeah, I tip my cap to him. He really is the real-life Japanese Rocky. Japanese welterweights, not very often do we see uh, them succeed, but we have two of them, two very skilled welterweights, getting in the ring for a title matchup, Ryota Yada and Yuki Nagano. Yeah, this is a mandatory for Yada, who won the title last year when he beat um, Toshio Aikawa. He's uh, making the defense. He's exciting. He's heavy-handed. He has improved so much since being stopped by J.R. Inson in 2016. But this is him up against an actual puncher again. He's lost two bouts. He hasn't been facing heavy-handed guys. Nagano can punch. Nagano is a genuine threat. Um... Who's earned this? Sh- who's earned his shot? Following big domestic wins over Riku Nagahama and Yuki Beppu, so this should be a really, really explosive fight. The funny thing about the Japanese welterweight scene is we often don't really talk about it, but at the moment there's so many interesting fighters there that perhaps over the next twelve months we will be talking about a lot more than we are at the moment and than we have done throughout the year. That's a good thing, because I think the stereotype is that Japanese fighters are only strong at the lighter weights, but you don't want to disrespect welterweight and up, because I think on the, on the world level, obviously, that's where it gets a little hard for, for Japanese fighters. But at least domestically, these guys are going out there and doing their thing and impressing on the domestic level. Yeah, um, in May, we have a fantastic fight between Rikutu you know, Adachi and, oh, God's sake, I forgot his name. Um, Kudira Kaneko, an Afghan based in Japan, and they're both youngsters. They're both part of the new wave, the new generation of Japanese fighters at the weight. You also have Hironori Shigita, who won the Rookie of the Year. He's another exciting one. Toshio Tarumi is another part of this new wave of Japanese guys at the weight. And maybe in the next few years, we're going to end up with a lot of really exciting Japanese welterweight belts. Don't worry, Scott, you're allowed to forget at least one name per show because you remember like 99 of the other names, which is amazing. And you pronounce them all pretty darn well. <laughs> Unlike my Yannebeck pronunciation earlier. But I think welterweight, obviously, it's always been one of the most popular weights in boxing. So it's exciting that the Japanese scene is getting stronger. Yeah, even if it's just the Japanese scene, it's, they're not going to go much further. It's nice to have strength and depth there. Um, the competition breeds success, and hopefully these guys all being competitive with each other will grow something. We've seen it at light middleweight with Takeshi Inoue getting a world title fight, and hopefully we'll see that across some more divisions in the years to come. Takayuki Okumoto and Yuta Matsuo, they're fighting for the Japanese Super Flyweight title this weekend. Yeah, this is another mandatory. Um, Okamoto will be defending against Matsuo, who earned his shot at the title, having beaten Ray Oris late last year. It's one of those bouts where you kind of look at both guys and you kind of go, um, neither guy's going to go far. Um, neither guy's got world-class ability. Neither guy's going to reach the top level. I argue that neither guy is particularly the best in Japan. Of course, you've got Ayoka, you've got Funai, you've got Yaigashi, you've got Kogawa. I thought... Okamoto was lucky to get the draw against Hashizumi in his latest defense. Uh, Okamoto uh, has earned the, 
title fighter being a shot to bits, Japanese based Filipina. It's not the best of fights, but it does open the door for fighters like Hayate Kaji that need to get a shot, or Tetsuro Ohashi to get a shot. So it's a bit of we've got to put up with it. It's a mandatory, it's not a great fight. Yeah, you look at records and you're like, how are these guys fighting for the title? But sometimes that happens, and that's okay because that, like you said, will open it up for other fighters who maybe are a little bit more deserving of that shot. Show Ishida, he's back in action this week. <laughs> he is. Um, yeah, I know we it's... were like, was it last week? Was it this week? Was it next week? We didn't know, but you know what? That's okay. We know he's fighting this week. Yeah, he's um he's fighting for the first time this year. He actually beat Walita Parinas at the end of last year, so it's his first fight since then. And he's facing Ikuro Sadatsuna, a genuinely talented young fighter who who I think is gonna go into this with a genuine mindset of I can get the upset, I can score another big win, I can get my career back on track after a loss last time out. Ishida is certainly the favourite. He's been Japanese champion, he's been a world title challenger. But Sadatsuna is no mug. He's picked up noble wins over Ryo Suwa, Tetsuya Takahashi. He was really unlucky against Kenshin Oshima earlier this year. I, I think it's going to be really, really competitive and really close. Finally, not to overshadow anyone else, but there is someone fighting this week, and I think we need to talk about him. First of all, he's 6'1", so he's incredibly tall. And to fit that 6-1 frame, he has a name that is phenomenal. What's his name, Scott? That is Giraffe Kiringkanda, another one of those Japanese welterweights. Yeah. And he, he looks like a giraffe with that 6-1 frame. He does. And he and his team have really, really in, sort of run with the idea of giraffe. And they put giraffe pictures on the posters. And they really, really seem to you know, like the gimmick. They're running with it there. Using it really well. Um, he's looking for a Japanese title fight himself at welterweight, so he could be in the mix for the win of the Yada fight. <laughs> I wouldn't fancy him against Yada or Nagano. I don't think he beats Yuki Beku. I don't think he beats Kaneko or Adachi. But he's definitely got appeal. He's definitely got a name that people will remember. He's pretty exciting to watch himself. He's He has plenty to go with it but perhaps not that title-level fighter that we're, we would love to see be called Giraffe. It's okay. He still has fans because of his name. A lot of news coming down the line. Uh, remember, it's AsianBoxing.info if you want to stay updated with that news. And also, if you're on Twitter, just type in Asian Boxing, nice and simple, with that neat-looking logo, the AB logo, uh, if you want to follow all of this news. But um, now we have a card coming up with Kanzu or Shukan leading this card. And this one is one of the better cards that is going to be coming out um, in the coming months. Yeah, I think we alluded last week that Kanzu was rumored to be fighting Shunkubo. Just days after we brought that news, it was then formally announced for May 26th. Better than that, though, is the fact there's a supporting bout that will see Shokimura challenge Carlos Canizales. What a fight. That 
could potentially overshadow any other belt in there, and that's including the Dewey BSS um, bantamweight belt. Kimura so is moving down. Yeah, Kimura is dropping four pounds down to challenge the really heavy-handed Kanazawa's. I'm not totally sure how Kimura is going to drop those pounds. He's never struck me as a small flyweight. If he's strong at the weight, though, that has the potential to be absolutely brutally amazing. Yeah, I think that's just one of the better cards in general. But you think of those two weeks in May from, from the 18th to the 26th where in Glasgow you'll be able to watch Josh Kelly and, and the monster. And then after that, you get to see Shu, Kubo, Kimura, and Kanizales. Those are all four world-class fighters. That's an excellent card. Yeah, and talking about that same time period, we also see things like Felix Alvarado fight Ria Kanishi. You got the Tamura versus Yusuke Kuga rematch. A week earlier, we have Maruti Methalana versus Masayuki Kuroda. There's, there's a window yeah, in May's, there where... Yeah, going to be crazy. It's going to be non-stop, <laughs> and that's not actually a complaint. It's, yeah, good, good time to book holidays off work. <laughs> yep, holidays to just watch, to, to watch those fights. Kubo versus Shu, to me, is so interesting. What's your kind of idea on how that fight goes? I'm thinking Sue outworks Kubo. Kubo, he's tough, he's brave, and he's not the most, he's not the sturdiest. He is tough, but he can be put down. He's tough, but he's not going to stay on his feet. He can be hurt. He's braver than perhaps he should be at times. Um, but Zoo, whilst not a puncher, throws so much leather. I think Kubo's going to get caught in the storm. How about Kimura uh, Kanizales? I know you were saying if Kimura does handle that weight well, that, that could be a tough one for Kanizales. I think Kimura's just really strong. Yeah. If Kimura makes the weight well, that has fight the year potential. If he drains himself with those four pounds, he'd be like Kuba actually could be too tough as on good and he could take a bit of a beating unnecessarily. Now, other news, um, we talked about it. It looks like Brant versus Murata too. That is officially said. I know we talked about that last week as being a possibility, but now it looks like uh, that is going to happen. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be on for July 12th. Um, I'll likely to be in Osaka. I don't need really to see the point in it. Marata should have been matched him. Certainly matched a little bit differently than taking on a stylistic mover who completely scored him less than a year ago. For Brant's sake, this is probably the best payday he's going to get. And if he keeps the title cost, there's going to be more paydays online. I just don't see the logic in taking it from Marata. Yeah, he got beat up pretty badly and was almost thinking about retiring, right? After that Brant uh, bout. Yeah, um, Japanese fighters do tend to consider retiring after losses at the top level. But you've seen it time and time again. Kimura thought about retiring after losing to Tanaka last year. I think if he loses again here, that probably will be his retirement coming up. It's all right. He's done a lot for the sport, especially in Japan, being an Olympic medalist. And then, of course, being a world title holder at middleweight. His popularity has transcended just Japan. So he's done a lot, and I just hope he doesn't get hurt too badly against Brandt, like he did in the last one. Yeah, he, again, going back to this thing, Japanese fighters seem to be too tough for the wrong good. We've had Arakawa, 
Kubo, Kimura, and Murata. Um, he could end up getting quite badly hurt if he stays in the spot too long because he takes a really good shot. Now, there is possibly an eight-man Bantamweight tournament in the works. This with Dangan. Is this, is this a go? Because I, I saw a bunch of announcements that, like, okay, this is probably going to happen, but is this official yet? It essentially is as good as official as we're going to get until the end of May. Um, Dangan have put a time schedule in place for it. They're taking um, entries, sort of applications, until the middle of May. They'll then take eight of those fighters and put them into the tournament that begins on the 23rd of July. The semi-finals will be in October with the eventual final next year. One of the matches we haven't actually spoke about that took place earlier today was Yuta Saito defending his Japanese bantamweight title against Hayato Kimura. He stopped Kimura in five rounds and then announced he wants to participate in this tournament. So as far as I'm aware, everybody's sure that it's going to be taking place. It's going to be on. It's going to be sort of Japanese title level guys of bantamweight. It's, again, Japan leading the world tournaments. Good. Right, tournaments in boxing are excellent. I love the Rookie of the Year tournament that Japan always has. And this would be excellent as well, although there is a Bantamweight tournament with one of Japan's very own going on right now that uh, I think the world has their eyes on too. But uh, it, it'd be cool to get uh, other elite Bantamweights from Japan into this tournament. And there are quite a few. Yeah. Yeah, um, the champion's throwing his hat into the ring. I think there's going to be at least seven who want to enter other than a Saito. I think we're going to see Dangan need to sort of could it quite find who they do and don't have. It's a division that has got a lot of talent. It's got a lot of people who are willing to go up or down division. Um, Shoei Shida could compete, for example. Kita Kurihara, Hayato Kimura could try and bounce back. Yusuke Suzuki's likely to enter if Saito does. Tenta Kiyose. You've got a lot of talent. You've got a lot of established talent. And you've also got the rising newcomers like Kazuki Nakajima, Fumiya Fuse. It's got the potential to be something really, really special. And hopefully it does sort of lead to other divisions following in it, um, following the footsteps. Also, uh, some news a WBO interim title bout. With Casimir versus Franco, um, that was announced this week. Yeah, originally it was meant to be, I think, an international title fight. The WBO was then petitioned by both fighters to put the interim title on the line, and that's what we'll get on Saturday. Casimiro is seeking to become a three-weight champion. Ricardo Espinosa Franco is someone I've not actually seen, but he's got an impressive 23-2 record with 20 knockouts. The wow. reason for the, yeah, yeah, he's kind of really ripped through the uh, through the scene in Mexico with wins against Ricardo Nunez and Eason Vargas. The big issue I think everybody has about this belt is it's taking place a week before the WBO's um, normal title fight with Zolani Tete versus Nonito Donare in the WBSS. It feels kind of like the WBO wanting their cake um, and eating it at the same time. Yeah, they do that a lot, don't they? Yeah, they do less than Dewey Beer, but yeah, the timing feels really stupid when it comes to this, especially when they're going to get a nice big fee from Tete versus Donaro. They're not as bad as the WBA, but then who is? The WBA is the worst. Yeah. 
Yeah, but that's not open the door to other ones following the footsteps. And finally, uh, Triple G back in the ring, albeit against an underwhelming opponent. Steve Rawls, I don't think anyone else had a kind of heard about the guy until maybe last week. Um, a 35 year old who's he's got no wins of real not on his record. He's got nothing to show that he should be in the ring with Golovkin. Given that just over a year ago, Yami Munguia was denied the chance to fight Golovkin, I'm not sure how the boards are. Um, uh, sort of the commissions are allowing Steve Rolls in the ring with him. Yeah, this is it's underwhelming, especially after coming off of two fights with Canelo. I guess maybe it's just a tune up before they make that next Canelo fight, assuming Canelo beats Danny Jacobs, because I know they want to make that third fight. But for Triple G, at this age, you, you should be wanting to make the biggest, best fights to get the most money um, as possible, because he doesn't have a lot more in him. Alternatively, have tune-ups that are actually going to tune you up. I don't think this is going to be a tune-up. This is more like um, a cameo. Massacre. Yeah, we might be very wrong. Rawls might turn out to be very good. But indications are that he's he's going to be um, a bit of a victim. So there you have it. A lot of Asian boxing this weekend. And, man, once we get into May... Get ready to have title fight after title fight. Uh, We get to see the monster back in action. We are going to be treated to great boxing in the month of May. To make sure you keep up with everything, um, listen to the Asian Boxing Podcast. Follow us on our Twitter, Asian Boxing, and, of course, the website, asianboxing.info. Everything regarding Asian boxing news is on there. It's been Scott and Colin for the Asian Boxing Podcast. We'll talk to you next week.